On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about one of the head-scratching moves that has been made in a long, long time, and it revolves around oil, and it affects the U.S. and Canada, and we're going to chat about it because it is it is, it is something. Uh, we're also talking about the Field of Dreams game. Baseball nailed it with this one. Perfect. The opening, anyway. Perfect. Where else would you want to see a fictionalized, a real game in a fictionalized sporting setting. We'll talk about that as well. Stay with us. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. So I was, you know, reading stuff this morning and looking at the news and came across one of what I think is one of the more ironic bits of news that I have seen in a long, long time. I don't know how long, but it's been a long, long time. And it goes like this. President Biden has noticed apparently that gas at the pumps in his country has gone up about a dollar a gallon over the last year. It's gone up and people down there are noticing and are not happy about it. So the president who canceled the Keystone XL pipeline on his first day in office because fossil fuels are dirty and bad for the environment and not acceptable anymore has now said, right out, has said he wants OPEC to pump more oil to satisfy the demand for his country. In other words, America, North America, we and the States could produce cleaner, clean oil and create thousands of high-paying jobs, which were which were in the works, and keep the cost down. Instead, they want OPEC to do it, which will send billions of dollars to the oil cartels in the Middle East and Russia. It is to scratch one's head. I want to bring in Stephen Ledrew. He is a political commentator. He is the host of the three-minute interview you can find on YouTube. Former president of the Liberal Party of Canada. He joins us now. Stephen, how are you today? Scott, I do more than scratch my head at the story you just told. <laughs> well, explain this, because I, I am struggling. I just, I don't get this at all. This seems like the absolute height of twisting yourself into knots. Well, it's, it's the absolute height of hypocrisy. It's the absolute height of political correctness, which is what we're seeing across the Western world. We aren't seeing it in China and Russia and the Middle East, uh, which is why they're being aggressive around the world and uh, gaining footholds around the world, and we're losing business around the world because we're politically correct. Uh, Keystone Pipeline was canceled um, on its first day in office because Biden campaigned against it, because it's become a dirty word or had become a dirty word in the United States. Uh, partly because of Trump approving it, partly uh, because of the oil activists. And, and you're absolutely right. Logically, the North America can, can create enough oil and gas, uh, refine it, to be self-sufficient. Uh, instead, now the United States wants to import more from, uh, from the Middle East. The Middle East, where not only is it expensive, but you're supporting uh, regimes which treat women like fourth-class citizens, which behead their enemies in other capitals around the world, which routinely, routinely hangs and beheads its citizens, and, and is, a, is a really a despicable country. So we're going to give billions more to them to ship the oil and gas in huge ships across, halfway across the world to refine it in the States. Then we could just pipe it down from Canada where people need the jobs. Of course, so, Scott, 
We're doing the same in Eastern Canada. We bring in Saudi oil for Eastern Canada when we should have a pipeline across Canada. But no, that's not politically correct, according to Justin. We aren't going to have it. I mean, you said scratch your head. I mean, it just shows how completely insane our governments are behaving. Well, and look, I'm not doubting the, um, the, the, the feeling that environmentalists have, the true environmentalists have, the, the conviction of their cause. I'm not doubting their convictions. But when I see this, I, I, the only conclusion I can draw is that in the minds of the powerful people who run governments, this is about politics and that climate and climate issues are not really an existential threat to the planet. It's just a vote getter. Because if, if the people who ran things, like the president, truly believed that burning fossil fuels was bad, and that this was a really bad thing to have all these fossil fuels being burned, he would welcome higher gas prices. He'd be thrilled that the price at the pump was going up because it's going to deter people from driving. You're absolutely right, which is what Justin Trudeau and his cabinet wants and uh, is what they're getting. Um, And so you're right. I mean, there is a difference between Biden and Trudeau on this one. But um, it, it, it just makes no sense economically. It makes no sense as far as the jobs. It makes no sense as far as as um, climate change. You're absolutely right. But then again, and yes, climate is changing, and the UN came out with this report saying unless we just stop it right now, we're all doomed. Nobody is concerned or doing anything about how we're going to lessen the impact of natural climate change, i.e. higher water around the world and, and you know, more concern about fires and things. I mean, climate change is natural. We've always had it. Uh, we should mitigate it, but these nincompoops we have in Ottawa, we were saying to stop burning fuel, although I don't think, um, Scott, that Trudeau was uh, using a glider when he cr- went coast to coast to coast for the last few um, weeks, handing out mm. billions of taxpayers' dollars in order to buy votes. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Stephen, let's bring this home here for a second, because just today, you just had to go on Twitter, you had to read stories. Uh, Everyone in Alberta, it seems, from the common person to members of the government are furious. They are in enormous financial trouble. They could be part of a solution here if somebody wanted them to be. Should our prime minister be reaching out to the White House and calling and saying, hey, we we can help you with your oil problem if you really want to, or... Is that, I mean, for Justin Trudeau, would that be dangerous to stick his nose in this one because of just how hot an issue this is going to be? I think you're absolutely spot on the money on that one, Scott, because we are having an election, um, and he doesn't want to do anything to alienate the uh, the loyal Justin Trudeau party uh, supporters. So he can't do that. Um, and I think after the president has already issued that notice to OPEC, because the United States is not a member of OPEC, so they have to... They have to appeal to OPEC as an outsider. Um, what should have happened with a normal government, we would have had our ambassador and our officials in Washington would have gotten wind of this in advance. And there would have been a call or meeting between the prime minister and the president and a little bit of um, you know, moral suasion and some political bribery, whatever it takes, and there would have been a better solution to this. Uh, one that helps the United States, one that helps Canada and Canadians looking for jobs. Um, and yet our prime minister is incapable of doing that because he is so politically correct. Another, uh, this is just an adjunct, Scott, to that controversy which is still raging 
and Biden is supporting the the governor of Michigan in wanting to stop Line 5, which brings Canadian oil and gas to Sarnia to be refined. And line 5 goes through Michigan, and Biden is supporting her in that. And so our prime minister has done nothing about it because he also can't be seen. So there could be a, another uh, dire consequence to Canadian oil and gas producers. And we are going to become a uh, you know, third world country. And you say that at the very start of uh, this, this past segment of your show, you're saying that you know, there was a small item in the news and you were shocked by it. Um, you know, it's a small item in the news because most of the news in Canada is paid for by Justin. And I could go through, you and I could actually go probably spend the next hour talking about stories that most Canadians don't know anything about. I found one yesterday that uh, talked to people and knew nothing about it. They said, well, it's not on the mainstream news. I said, no, because it's embarrassing to this government, and therefore the news uh, sources are not printing it or reporting it. So it's, um, this goes again to show how important radio is, independent radio, and, and, and shows like you, yours to show people what in fact is going on in this country. And um, it's appalling. And um, I'm very sorry that uh, for our Western um, citizens that this is uh, happening, but it doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me that Canadian government's done nothing about it. Don't expect, Scott, that uh, something is going to be said by the Canadian government to the United States government. But, but Stephen, where this becomes so infuriating to me is that there, there is an easy solution or an easy-ish solution. Nothing is easy, I know. But, and that is that as the president, if you're the president, you say, you know what? Um, reality has hit us and we need to back up a little bit, maybe go back on our word a little bit, and we need to okay some of these pipelines because even if we want to go completely green in the next 50 years, that doesn't happen overnight and we have to do something in the meantime. Instead, instead of doing that, you would rather than face the embarrassment of that, we would rather send, as you said a moment ago, billions of dollars to Iran and to Iraq and to Libya and to Russia, which is an affiliated nation with OPEC, where they can take this money and do who knows what with it and and more than anything how how is the how is it not a massive humiliation to the americans that they have to go cap in hand to these countries that are their enemies and say please help us please help us yeah but the other thing is what if there's another terrorist attack uh on a major one in the united states and there probably will be and it's going to be coming out of the middle east again and it's going to be funded with hard-earned American money that's floating over there in gobs to pay for oil. And, uh, you know, they're not our friends. Saudi Arabia is not a friend of uh, Western civilization. They fund a lot of um, organizations which are only intended to destroy Western civilization. I mean, that's what she's saying. You know, words cannot explain how insane these decisions are, but... Our politicians or our, our populations are allowing the politicians to do that. There's no outrage. Well, and there's one more thing, Stephen. We're short on time, but there's one more thing, and that is, look, I, I, I understand environmentalists will say, start staunch environmentalists will say there's no such thing as clean fossil fuels. We can debate that all day long, yeah. one way or the other. But there is cleaner fossil fuels, and the, the, the fossil fuel extraction that is done over here Nobody disputes is cleaner than what you would get in other parts of the world, and yet somehow it's still not a good idea to f- to take the better option. Well, you're, you are absolutely right. There's no issue with that. How about why aren't women's groups 
outraged at this decision, saying the United States is funding regimes which treat women with complete disdain. Why are the women's groups not out there saying this is outrageous? They should be. Well, you know what, and you know who else, I, I mean, I've heard a little bit from today, we got to run, but I, I can't believe environmental groups are happy about this, that the president who said that they were voting for because he was a staunch environmentalist is now saying we want more oil. Hey, OPEC, give us more oil. This just, the whole thing is just a giant head scratcher, as I said, and I just, I, 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 I couldn't believe it when I read this, but it's true. It's a bizarre story, but nothing will be done in Canada because... As you and I, and most of your, uh, your listeners know, we're having an election. Yeah, who knows? Maybe something happens after the election. Maybe if... Well, uh, I hope something happens. Uh, yeah, I know. I, you're right. I, <laughs> I hope something happens during the election to wake Canadians up to the fact that uh, we, are, we are being poorly served by an incompetent, politically correct government which will do anything to further its own means. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Bob O'Neill joins us from CHH. Before I get into what I'm going to get into, let's uh, bring Bob in here. Bob, how are you today? Good day, sir. Good day. I must say, um, I can be cynical at times. I can be, you know, things can be a little sappy, whatever else. Uh, during the news break, I had the TV on. And the game that they are playing in Dyersville, Iowa, the between the Yankees and White Sox today, the Field of Dreams game at the where they film Field of Dreams, they just introduced the players as the players came walking from the outfield out of the corn into the field. And I got to tell you, that was one of the coolest things I've seen in sports that they've that any sports league has ever pulled off. That was beautiful. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, obviously there was such an anticipation for this. I mean, wasn't this supposed to happen, I guess, back in, I guess, a year ago? And, of yeah. course, with the coronavirus and, and the situation that baseball and all sports were in, and they weren't able to hold this. So I guess it was a, a special, special thing. You know, and, and I think there was such a feeling. The movie was a feeling, good-feeling movie um, that, you know, elicited a lot of emotions not only about just baseball, but, you know, the relationship between a dad and, and his son. And um, and I, I think that was probably in the minds of Major League Baseball is, you know, to, to, jo- to bring back that connection and, you know, to make baseball, which, you know, unfortunately for some, isn't America's great pastime anymore. I think the National Football League has kind of bypassed that in terms of that title. Uh, and perhaps, but I, as I say, it was just, it was the way they did it. I was, I was thinking, you know, it, it, in a way, I love Field of Dreams there. It's, it's got some schmaltz in it. It's a fantastic movie, but I thought, I hope they don't ruin what they're going to do here and make it too ridiculous. And maybe that was ridiculous by having the players emerge out of the corn into the outfield, but man, it was, it was perfect. Like they did it and the players came in at a, you know, at a nice slow speed. It was, uh, I'll tell you, if, if people get a chance, if they haven't had it on, if they get a chance to watch the highlights or something later, they um, they did this right. They kudos to baseball for making this right and having Kevin Costner on the field. And I assume hasn't happened yet. I assume he's going to throw out a first pitch, probably to the guy who played his son or his dad in the movie. I guess um, that would make sense. But we're, I was thinking about this today. They've obviously got this field and this you know situation that baseball has done. Can you think of another location from fiction, perhaps? a real location where they film something that you could see or would want to see a sporting event played? Well, I, 
I think baseball probably is in that category because <clears throat> it's the one sport where the field of play throughout the 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 um, how can I put this? It's the one sport that every team has, for the most part, a unique field. Right? Baseball dime. Uh, Boston has the the green. The, the green monster, you know, the, the Wrigley Field has the roses there. You know, the blue, even the Blue Jays thing is this re- retractable roof. Every field has its, its different dimensions and something special about it. So I think that's why baseball probably is a little different than most sports, where it I works. think yep. other than Boston and Buffalo over the years, um, the rinks are all the same measurements, right? But except Boston, you know, and, that, and that's since change, uh, since they've changed venues, right? The old Boston Garden and the old Memorial, uh, uh, Memorial Auditorium in Buffalo, which were smaller rinks than actual league regulation sizes. So I think, you know, basketball is going to be the same, the same sort of size. You're always kind of looking at the same thing. So I think baseball certainly has an advantage that way to create that kind of different feeling of, you know, something mm. that you could bring back in time. I guess maybe if you're a Habs fan, going back to the forum would 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 be you know, and to see the old guys, the Lafleurs. But you couldn't though, because yeah, you couldn't because that's gone now. It's a it's a grocery store. But well, yeah. I'll tell you what. Two, I'll tell you two that came to mind for me that I would love to see an event played at, um, and and they could because they still exist. One, I would love to see a hockey game. Now it it would be tough because you wouldn't have the Chiefs, but I would love to see a hockey game at the War Memorial Arena in Jonestown, Pennsylvania, which was the home of the Charlestown Chiefs in Slapshot. Um, which would be hilarious. We wouldn't have the feels, but it would be hilarious. But the one that would have the feels for me, I would love to see an NBA game played in the Hickory High School court where from from Hoosiers. That yeah, would be awesome. That would be interesting. But I still, you know, and, and with due respect to what you're saying there, I still think if you were watching it from from a standpoint of a camera, would it look any different than any any other gym? Um, well, it depends. This, I, think, I mean, and look, I think this what, is what makes this field of dreams thing so special because it looks different. There's a different, you're, you know, you're in a football, you know, we got this 500 channel thing and you're flipping, you're flipping, you're going, and you see that and you're like, what is going on there? It would depend what they would do. Cause with the field of dreams things, they've added stuff to make it even look more right. rustic and stuff. So with the Hickory gym, yeah. I mean, the, the problem with, you're right. The problem with the one with the war memorial arena it would be very difficult to make it look like anything other than a battered down old minor league arena. And with hockey also, you don't have the backdrop as much. It's not as, as obvious in the play. I mean, that's why the outdoor games work better, but anyway, right. anyway, yeah, fascinating stuff. And it's uh, um, good for baseball. I mean, the only downside, and I'll say this, the only downside is the commissioner of baseball today apparently said, Oh yeah, we're coming back next year. And it's like, have you learned nothing from hockey's outdoor games? Don't strangle the golden goose. You did this. Leave it alone. Leave it, it, it. We don't need to see it year after year now because it won't be special next year. Yeah, I, I think there's there's certainly some truth to that. Um, but I mean, big business talks, and the advertisers yes. are going to want to be a part of this. And you know, the fans that couldn't get there this year, you know, might want to see it in the next year. But yeah, I do understand what they're saying about the exclusivity of of these events, these particular events. Well, and and Fox right now, and again, I've got it on in the background. I can't see, I can't hear anything, but I mean, they are pulling out every stop from the movie, and they've got 
you know, Kevin, I say Kevin Costner there and stuff. You can't, you can't do this every year. So in the future, you would just have a game there. And then what's the point? Anyway, we move along. Um, want to get to something else because um, you have a, uh, you got a cool opportunity this Saturday, this Saturday, right? Saturday night. Um, the Ticats are playing second game of their season. And uh, here on 900 CHML, people who tune in to listen to the radio broadcast will hear a familiar voice calling the play-by-play this week. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, I think... You know, hey, here you are talking about, you know, special places and, you know, crowds and that kind of thing. And, you know, you're talking about two teams that I think have the best fan bases and really have the best crowds. Um, they, I think Hamilton and Saskatchewan, by the way. That's yeah, Hamilton and Saskatchewan. I think yeah. the respect they have, both these, these, these centers have for CFL football is just, you know, quite honestly legendary. Uh, you know, Tim Horton's field consistently sold out. Uh, Mosaic field, again, I just saw some shots again of, of what, you know, in the, what they had in the BC Lions game last week, last Friday. Just spectacular. Everyone wearing green, uh, you know, and as we know, the old tales, with, that's their only professional sports team in, 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 in Saskatchewan. So you have people traveling to 300 kilometers just to go see the big game because it's such a big event. Uh, and this is a big game for the Tiger Cats. I and mean, they need to bounce back from that season opening loss against Winnipeg. And again, on the road, hostile environment. Uh, you're going to just see, uh, I, I think, you know, you coach, listen to Coach Steinauer. They're ready for the task. And, you know, it's going to be fun to be part of it on that uh, Tiger Cats uh, audio network and CHML. Yes, so uh, the usual play-by-play guy, the regular RJ Broadhead, not available, be there this week. So Bubba will be handling play-by-play on the radio. You can, as I say, you can hear him on CHML. But Bubba, this is a familiar voice as well, too. Who's that? Mike Morielli. Oh, there you go. Mike is the color guy. There you go. So everybody, everybody's a familiar voice on the on the show. (laughs) Um, Here's the thing about this week, and and I'm not going to be stupid and say game two of a even a reduced 14 game season is must win. Uh, Because it's not a must win, obviously. But I would suggest that this is a must look better game for the Tie Cats. And I and again, they had no preseason games, and you can say all that stuff, and they've had some injuries. But I think for their own confidence, for what they're doing, they got to look better at least, even if they don't win. They got to look better than they did in that first game. And you're right. And but I I never for one thought, and I'll be honest, I never for one one second thought they were going to win that game. Um, you're talking about a sport that hadn't played in 670 days. You're playing in the against the team that won the Grey Cup championship. You knew the fans were going to be against sold-out IG Field. They were just brimming. They were just ready to explode. And once they dropped that championship banner, I think we see this in the National Football League because we're getting a lot of these great uh, Grey Cup rematches, sorry, the Super Bowl rematches. And it's the team that won the year before that always seems to win because the fans can't wait for it. It's just a really, really tough situation. Again, no preseason games, no fault of anyone. Both teams are in the same situation. Uh, and also, you cannot deny the fact that the, uh, the Tiger Cats had 10 people on their injured list. You're missing that many regulars. Your offensive line, which is already being rebuilt, you're missing the offensive linemen of the, of the last year being 2019. I just kind of thought what we saw, even though it was impressive in that opening drive, I kind of expected that final result. 
Yeah, and as I say, I mean, certainly if they go 0-2, if they were to lose to Saskatchewan, it's not the end of the world. It's the Eastern Division. The Ticats are going to make the, I mean, barring something so catastrophic, it's almost unfathomable. They're going to make the playoffs. Uh, so it's not, you know, losing a couple of games early doesn't really make a difference. But again, after that opening drive, that offense just looked atrocious. And the one thing I think they need to show is that they have, with a week of practice, more than a week, that they figured something out about how to make that click. Because that was, even for Ticat fans that are brimming with the usual early season optimism, that was right. a little concerning that it just had nothing. Yeah, I, again, I, again, it's hard to gauge. Remember, you're looking at a quarterback. I mean, 670 days for the league and, you know, probably about 770 days for Jeremiah yeah, Mazzoli. Yeah. Remember, he with his you know, was injured in July of 2019 with the, with the blown-out knee. So, you know, he was just getting back into things as well, too. They, hey, they showed flashes, and I think, you know, the coach said this throughout the week. You look at the tape and you see a lot of bad, but you also saw a lot of good. What they did not do was get themselves in a rhythm, and we could say this, we could say this, that sometimes styles make fights. I mean, that in the old sports saying. And there's something about the blue-collar, physical way that Winnipeg plays football that Hamilton's not a tremendously physical football team. They're loaded full of speed, have incredible finesse. Maybe it's just a, a kind of bad matchup for the Tiger Cats. They've beaten them before. Yeah. They beat them 20, yeah. in 2019, but in the, two, in the one game that mattered, they kind of got pushed around, and they kind of got pushed around a little bit in the, the last week. Do you? So Jeremiah Masoli was he was okay. I mean, he was he was okay. He wasn't. I mean, even though the offense didn't do much, he wasn't. I don't think Jeremiah Masoli was the cause. It was a lot of issues, but. The one thing that I think a lot of people have been wondering, because the question from the start of the season, from the start of training camp, was you have two potential number one quarterbacks with Evans and Mazzoli. And the question was, how are they going to use them? Now, Evans Mazzoli played the whole way last game. Can you see the possibility that if it's not working again already at this point, that Evans gets a few series? Or if you're Orlando Steinauer, are you saying... Mazzoli's my guy. He, as you say, he was out with an injury even before this. We just got to let him go until he figures this out. I think Jeremiah Mazzoli would have to play so poorly for for that to happen. I think you're walking into a real serious problem, we'll say, or making a problem for yourself if you start playing musical quarterbacks. Leave that to the fans, right? We The fans don't see practice. The fans don't see, you know, even some of the media. They don't, I mean, because it's the way things are right now. Well, we don't even see what the coach sees. And I just think you get into, I, I, do you need two quarterbacks in this league? Absolutely. Even over a 14-game season, I expect it sometimes that, that, that Evans will, will play. But I believe that you have to give Mazzoli, as your selected number one guy, the opportunity to fail. Uh, and again, I think you put it well. Last week's loss was not all on him. People were in his face all day long. And again, he said it, everyone on offense said it, tough to get in a rhythm. And especially when you can't get a running game going as well, too. Yeah, my only thought, the, the reason I wondered about Evans was you've got a bye week after this week and your comment that you need two quarterbacks in this league. You do. I mean, at some point you're going to. And I wonder if you want Evans to have not had it, to let him not have any playing time by the time you get to the bye week and now you're a month into the season. 
And I, that's kind of, did we it was even that, less about Mazzoli failing did we think or that being was, bad. Did we think that before Mazzoli got hurt last in 2019 when the team was 4-1? No, right? no like, but I, we also didn't know Evans could play. Yeah, I just, I, I just think I, I, I really, I think that you're getting into a dangerous spot here because, I mean, what happened when you get into that? Then you start dividing. You start dividing. I think attentions. You start dividing fans, maybe even teammates. Right? Mm-hmm. I think the coach comes out strong, makes that first decision, and says, "This is our guy." Um, I think he earned that right. Uh, and I think you got. I think you have to stick with him, and that's and that's nothing against what Evans did last year. I mean, it was two years ago. It's amazing. It was outstanding. Got them to the super. Uh, got them to the great cup. But I think you've got to go with. You got to pick one guy and run with him and stick it. And again, that guy's got to stink real bad for a little while <laughs> yeah, that's, for me to make that choice. Yeah. And and you're right. I mean, look, fans, the most popular player, I think it was Ron Lancaster who used to say the most popular player on any football team is the backup quarterback. That's right. And, you know, you don't want to create a controversy. You almost, I, th- I think in this situation, you almost have to have it in the dressing room before the game to tell all the guys, if you're going to bring Evans in, we're giving him two series here or there. And so don't read anything into it. We just want to get him into the game. Uh, and I don't know how you do that. I mean, I I, I don't know how you do that. Um, but it's, it's an interesting situation they have because they do have two number one quarterbacks right now. And I don't know that you want to have one guy sitting there forever, uh, without any playing time at this, but as you're right, at the same time, you don't want to tell the guy who you've named as the starter that your confidence in him is not there either. So it's a, it's a balancing act. It it really is. And like I said, I I think you, that's why this, you know, this friendly, if you want to call it quarterback competition throughout camp, was you know was was really the story storyline of camp right because but to your point there you got two guys that can play the game two guys that have proven themselves one guy one guy was it was the eastern uh, mop candidate right <laughs> the year before right so uh, the guy that kept that you know made made Zach Caleros who everybody loved made him expendable right Jeremiah can play the game at a very high level he can play. And, play for sure, you know. But it, I just think I just think when things don't go right, you know, right for you, that you just want to play herky jerky quarterback because I think you opened up a whole can of worms. Because you know, let's think about Labor Day. If Jeremiah first two series throws interceptions, what's going to happen? You know, that crowd's going to start going. You, you, they get you the most loyal Ticat fans. They're going to start to say, hey, hey, you're going to hear that underlying feeling and thinking of, you know, maybe we need to see Dane. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, you're, no question. If, look, if, if they don't, if they don't, if the offense isn't great this week, and, and who knows? I mean, hopefully it is. But if the, if the offense is not great this week, and then you, the situation that you just said were to happen, where two out of the first three series or something, you threw interceptions. Uh, yeah, I, I think some some well lubricated Ticat fans in the stands <laughs> might have a few things to say about who they want to see under center, uh, and that's when that's when uh, Orlando Steinauer, the head coach, has them uh, in the booth turn up the volume on his headphones really, really loud, so that he's not uh, not listening to the crowd at all. Well, you know what? He was the he's the reigning CFL Coach of the Year, so I think you got to trust him to make the right decisions when when stuff like this comes up. 
10 o'clock Saturday night, the voice of Bubba O'Neill, you will hear right here on 900 CHML calling the game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and then followed, followed by Rick Zamperin doing the fifth quarter at... One in the morning, one thirty, whatever. Rick, Rick's going to have a late night, um, but you will too, because not just you, Bubba, but the fans who will be calling in for that as well. So be ready to call in. Uh, listen, appreciate it. Have a great game. Have a great call on Saturday. We'll be listening. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. The Scott Radley Show, weekday evenings from six to eight on nine hundred CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.